You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, good morning. Thanks for cruising out here on your boats or your jet skis, whatever you got. Did you all see the video of the guy over at the racetrack on the jet ski? He was a true Bristol hero, right? Like, if you haven't seen this, look it up. You'll see it. It'll be shared. Our church is right in the background um, on there. So, good morning. We are in Acts chapter 4. We're moving through this, uh, the book of Acts, what I think is the sequel to what Jesus did on earth. It's like you have the good movie, like the movie about Jesus. This is the follow-up of what his disciples do with his word, the movement that he began. And so we've been in Acts chapter 4 for last week, and now we're moving to the end of Acts chapter 4. If you've got a Bible or the uh, scripture journal with you, that's where we're going to be this morning, at the end of Acts chapter 4. We're just going to jump right in. Verse 23, we're going to start out right here. And it says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So backstory, in case you missed last Sunday, the they they're talking about is Peter and John. Peter and John, who were two of the disciples that had walked with Jesus, one day they're walking to the temple. There's a guy at the temple who can't walk. And Peter and John look at him and they say, get up and walk. And the power of Jesus, get up and walk. This guy gets up. He is dancing around, has never walked his whole life, causes a big stir in the temple. Peter and John use that moment to talk about Jesus, but then they get in trouble for having talked about Jesus by the very guys that put Jesus to death. The very guys that put Jesus on trial, handed him over for execution. Peter and John are thrown in jail by these guys. They spend a night in jail, and then the next day they're brought before this council of Jewish officials, Jewish elders, and they stand before this council. And after like great threat, after Peter and John boldly proclaim Jesus in front of that council, the council like threatens them. They're like, don't, don't talk about Jesus anymore. And they're like, uh, we're going to still do that. And they're like, but you shouldn't. And like Peter and John go on anyways. And then they go back to their friends. So now we get this scene of the people that have gathered with them. We don't know if this is like the other disciples uh, that were kind of left behind. We don't know if it's other believers that have joined the movement recently. But their, their friends, maybe their family have all gathered together. And Peter and John sort of relay the story to them. And they're like, guys, you won't believe what happened. Like we healed this guy the same way Jesus used to heal people. We healed this guy, but then we got in trouble for it. We spent the night in jail. And here's how they respond as a group of believers together. It says in verse 24, when they heard it, talking about the friends that had gathered, they lifted their voices together to God and they said, what are we going to do? We're doomed. We need to run away. These guys executed Jesus. They're going to be after us too, right? You're sort of looking at the screen like Elliot's off script, like he's gone, he's not with us anymore. No, that's not what they do. They don't complain. They don't come to God and say, God, like, what's up with this? How could you leave us like this? They go and they pray and they say, Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who brought, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and they begin quoting from a psalm, it's Psalm 2, why did the Gentiles rage? Why did the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now catch what's happening here. These people that have gathered together not long after Jesus' death, they begin looking back on the history of what has happened. And they begin connecting themselves to this grander story of God's prophecies, this grander story of the Bible. 
And so in quoting Psalm 2, as they pray together, they're quoting the prophet David. And they're looking right in there and they're saying, man, these people that were plotting in vain together, these people, that was like Herod and Pilate, that's them. This psalm is talking about Jesus. Jesus was the anointed one. So all of these light bulbs are like flashing off in their brains that this long history of prophecy, this long history of God's word that they have, now they're starting to see where they fit into it. And they see that Peter and John have stood and they've proclaimed Jesus, this anointed one, against this kind of oppression, against these people. And so together they're starting to realize this thousand-year history that we have, these things that God are doing, they haven't been coincidences. They've been planned by God and now we fit into it. They see where they fit into God's story and what God's plan for them is now in God's story. Which is a hope we have here at Discovery. That we as a church together, that you as an individual, that you could meet Jesus and find your place in his story. That's our mission statement, to find Jesus in your place in his story. And that's exactly what we see these early disciples, these early apostles doing. They see God's great story that's been happening and they see themselves in it. And they realize this isn't just ancient history, this is now, this is living, this is present with us. We get to be a part of what God is doing. And so they connect themselves to this grand story, this grand prophecy. They find what God is doing and how they fit into it. And then verse 29, we'll pick back up with how they pray. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and smite them, remove them, blot out the leaders and and just kick them away off the earth, God. No, again, not what they say, right? They say, look upon their threats, talking about the very people that told Peter and John not to talk about Jesus anymore. And they said, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your name, the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so they pray these things, and not one moment in this prayer are they kind of on the defense, like, oh, God, we don't know what's going to happen. Every bit of this, they're responding in the same boldness that we saw Peter and John bring before that council. And they're not worried about it one bit. They're saying, yeah, that was a minor roadblock for them. A night in jail, like, that's rough. And now kind of we've got the first echoes of persecution happening in this early church. But they're not backing down. They're not saying, like, God, show us a way out. Like, God, just make this lighten up. God, let them just leave us alone so that we can live and have our lives. They're just praying in boldness that God would be revealed through them. That the story that God is writing, that now that they're connected to it, that they would continue this story well. And so in this prayer that we have at the end of Acts chapter 4 with these early followers of Christ, we have an awesome model for ourselves to pray. And I want to just point out a few things of what they do here, of how they pray in this boldness, and hope that for us in our personal prayer lives, we could emulate this. That we as a church, that this is how we could begin praying together as well. Because if we, if we believe that we are Christians, just like these early Christians here, if we believe that we're all one family— Throughout history, all Jesus' children, all heirs of the throne with Christ, then we're standing right there with them, right? Like we may be lots of thousands of years later or 2019, however many, what the count is. I don't know what year it is. We're right there with them, right? We can pray the same things as them. And so I want to encourage us to do that this morning. So let's look closer at this prayer. We're going to dissect this prayer and look at the model they give us and how we should pray in the midst of uh, hard times. First, they start out by praising God and identifying who God is. Which if you go back to the model Jesus set out for us in the Lord's Prayer, that's exactly what Jesus taught them to do. When he prays, he says, pray our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
So Jesus starts out his prayer by identifying who God is and praising God. And that's what these early disciples do, just using different words. They praise God by identifying who he is. They fill their minds with God's identity and praise him through that. And they do this in three ways. There's a guy named John Stott, a theologian that points this out in a book that I had to read back at King College. And my King College education is still paying off, and I'm still paying it off, but we're using it this morning, so here we go. John Stott points out that there's three aspects of the way they praise God here, that they praise God telling him he's the God of creation, He's the God of revelation, and he's the God of history. So let's break this down. You can see it. Right there in verse 24, they say to God, You made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You're the God of creation. You made it. And they praise God through that. The next verses, they talk about the way that God has revealed himself. They cite that Psalm 2 through David. And they talk about God has revealed himself through David and how it was through the mouth of David and then by the Holy Spirit. That he, he revealed the anointed one, Jesus. They highlight three ways right there and how God has revealed himself to us. Through the scripture, through the prophets, through the Holy Spirit, and also through Jesus. Which the same is true for us in our time as it was for them. That God has revealed himself to us through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit that we also have, and through the person of Jesus. We talk about it at Christmas with the manger, right? And the incarnation, how there's that name of Christmas, Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has revealed himself to us. And now they're talking about it and saying, God, we praise you for revealing yourself to us through the scriptures, through the prophets. We praise you for revealing yourself through the Holy Spirit and through the person of Jesus. And they say all these things. And then they talk about how God is the God of history. And they describe the things he has done up to Jesus' arrest and execution. And saying it was all part of God's hand. The end of verse 28, they're saying, doing whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God, you made all this happen. So they begin their prayer together by praising God and filling their minds with who God is. Saying, God, I praise you for creating this world. God, I praise you for revealing yourself to us. God, I praise you for the mighty things you have done in history. The God of creation, the God of revelation, the God of history. And I think that's a great way that we can begin our prayer time as well, right? Now, I don't know how you would pray in this situation, but if I were like Peter and John and had been in jail for a night and then threatened greatly by these people that put me in jail, I probably wouldn't start out my prayer with immediate praise, right? Like, it probably be more like, God, what happened? Like, God, why'd you leave me with this? Like, God, are you even there? Like, are you hearing me? But instead, they praise God. And so we can imitate this. We should imitate this in our prayer time. Just beginning by looking around and saying, God, you created all of this, and I want to praise you for that as the creator. God, I praise you for that bird that is chirping, that is signaling the coming of spring after a long, soggy winter, right? God, I praise you for the way that you have revealed yourself to me specifically, not just in the Bible, but the way you showed yourself to me in my life and where I saw you do this thing and that thing. I praise you for that. God, I praise you for the history we have together, the way you delivered me from this crisis, the way that this happened in my life and I saw you in it. In our own lives, we can imitate this prayer of praising the God of creation, revelation, and history. And it's only then, it's only after they've filled their minds with who God is, they've spent time praising God, it's only then that they bring their petition before God. It's only after that that they begin to say, God, do these things in us, do these things with us. And again, they kind of pray in three ways. They pray that God would consider them, that God would enable them, and then that God would perform through them. 
And so let's look at those. Verse 29, the very first part there, verse 29. They say, God, look upon their threats. They don't say, God, end their threats, end them. They don't say, cancel this, blow out this roadblock. They say, God, consider their threats. They're saying, God, look upon that. And then the second half of that verse, it says, then, God, enable us. Grant us the ability to speak your word with boldness. So in the midst of their threats, God, we're praying that you would enable us. Consider their threats. Enable us to have boldness. And then verse 30, they say, perform, Lord. They say, stretch out your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders. And they're asking God to do that through them. So their petition that comes, like often we just get in that help me habit. You ever do that when you pray? Like, God, help me today. God, this test, help me. Help this person not to think I'm a weirdo. God, help me. Help me at, at my job, at my work. God, help me. Help this person. They're sick. God, help them. Like, do the help me prayers. <laughs> like, get even short. Like, help me, God. Help them. Help them. Here, these, these disciples, when they're meeting this roadblock, they don't pray just help us, God. They pray, God, enable us, perform through us, consider these threats that we're under, and then use us. And so as we look at all this kind of model we have to pray, praying to God, the God of creation, the God of revelation, the God of history, and then asking him to consider our trials, to enable us and to perform through us, man, that's a great model to go by when we pray personally. And if you've been here at Discovery for long, you know that we are a big fan of an untypical Sunday, right? We have done a lot of crazy things at Discovery. In fact, you know, like next month, we're going to have another fifth Sunday month. We'll do Sent to Serve at a Sunday. So instead of coming in together, having a service together, we're going to go out into our community and serve our community together. At Discovery, we've done things before. We like created art projects together where we've painted on things. We've had poetry readings. We one time had Brad Deal race Usain Bolt. Remember that one? We one time had a scavenger hunt for a piece of a nativity, the baby Jesus hunt. Remember that one? We, uh, for crying out loud, we had a pancake breakfast a couple of weeks ago. If there's a creative way we can kind of get you guys acting together and make the scripture stick to you, you better believe we're going to try and do that thing. So this Sunday, when we've been talking about prayer How can we then just be like, okay, goodbye, you guys have a great week, and not pray with one another? So this morning, we're going to spend some time, and I'll tell you how we're doing it. We're going to spend some time just with each other praying. And I know for some of you, you're like praying out loud, like praying with people next to me. Like that just triggers your anxiety right now. And like, okay, I understand it can be a little bit awkward, but listen, if you're going to get the pancakes, you're going to go with the awkward too, right? So we're going to spend some time, and I don't think it's going to be as painful as you might be worried. In fact, we did this first service, and just, it can be a very spirit-filled time. And that's been our prayer for this time this morning. But let me tell you how we're going to go through praying together. We're going to use this prayer we have in Acts by the early church. We're going to use that as a model to guide us in prayer. And we're going to get in small groups together. I'm going to ask you to get in a group of three. I'm taking a page out of the Passion Conference. I take college students to the Passion Conference every year, and they always begin it in what they call prayer triangles, where we just have three people together. You can make the shape of a triangle facing one another, and you just pray together, and you take turns praying out loud. We're going to do that this morning. And so in a minute, I'm going to invite you to find two other people and get in a three. And some of you are going to cheat and have more. We're asking just for smaller groups, you know, do whatever you do. And some of you too, like as you're feeling awkward, you're going to look around like, I don't want to pray in front of anybody. Here's my tip. Just immediately start praying to yourself 
and then when they look at you, they're going to be like, well, they're super spiritual, like already in it. Like, and they want to ask you to pray out loud, right? But everybody else, just pray out loud. If you're here as a guest this morning, and you're like, I don't even know this Jesus guy. Like, just kind of be there. You can own that. Be like, I'm not really going to pray, but you guys can pray around me. And then if you're praying around them, maybe pitch in some prayers for them, right? We're just going to pray with one another together in threes. And how that will work out is I'm going to tell you a prayer prompt. It'll be on the screen. I will voice it to you, and you can also see it on the screen. And then you're going to have about a minute, 60 seconds to pray over that. So one person could pray for 60 seconds the full time, or maybe each of you could pray 20 seconds, however you want to divvy that up. And then I'll give you a code when it's about time to wrap up that prayer. I'll give you the international Christian code for we're about to be done with praying, which is in Jesus' name right? You guys know where I'm at? So when you hear me say in Jesus' name, you got about five seconds to kind of wrap up where you are, and then we'll go on to the next prompt. You got it? Okay, are you ready? All right, so when I say go, you're going to find two other people, and then we're going to pray together. You can take some couple seconds too and like introduce yourself, make sure you know each other. Ready? On your mark, set, go. This is the part where you stand up, you find two other people, you can move out in the aisles if you need. You can stay in your chairs, whatever you got to do. All right, has everybody found one another? Shook hands, greeted. All right. We're going to begin, again, following that same model of the early church by praising God. So we're going to praise the God of creation. So in your triangles, give him thanks for everything that he has made. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wasn't so terrible, right? You could pray for a minute. As the person who's talking is praying, maybe you want to agree with them out loud just to help them out. Give them some of those, yes, Lord, amen, Lord, I agree, Lord. It's just, we'll, we'll fill the place with prayer. All right, now we want to praise the God of Revelation. So we want to give God thanks for revealing himself to us through the Bible, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Let's praise the God of Revelation.
In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to praise the God of history. So take some time together thanking God for the way that, for the things he has done for us all throughout time. We're going to praise the God of history. In Jesus' name. We talked a lot last week about roadblocks we might face when sharing our faith. We looked at the roadblocks Peter and John face. Right now, we want to pray that God would consider the roadblocks we face in living out and in sharing our faith. In Jesus' name. Just like the early believers now, we want to pray and ask God to fill us with boldness to share about Jesus. In Jesus' name.
praise God. We've asked him to consider our roadblocks. We've asked him to enable us. Now we're going to spend time asking God to prove his power among us. And just like the book of Acts moves from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the world, we're going to pray in that same way, beginning here now. So we're going to ask God to prove his power in our families. Jesus' name. Now we want to pray that God would prove his power in our church, and not just the small C church of discovery, but the big C church, the churches in our community, the churches in our world. In Jesus' name. Now we want to pray that God would prove his power in our country. In Jesus' name. Now we want to ask God to prove his power throughout our world. Remembering Christians that might be under threat, under persecution now in other areas, other countries that might be in, in turmoil right now. Let's pray that God prove his power throughout our world. <clears throat> 